Welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Braden. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And hey, again, unfortunately, flying solo for this episode. Cousin Shane got a little situation going on at home, so keep him in your thoughts and prayers. He will be back at the end of the week to make some picks for these games. But hey, I know, don't turn off just yet because we got one heck of a show preview some of the biggest matchups in the SEC. We got a lot of news items around the league as well. And I reached out to our old buddy, Chris Marler, Saturday Down South, host of College Football Uncensored. This is the best interview he's ever done. He's been on the show a number of times. This is by far the best one. And I'll just tell you now, there's going to be many a fan base is happy. There's going to be many, quite frankly, pissed off at old Marler. So, and we'll get to that in just a second. I just want to give a shout out, man. We've got not only are our numbers continuing to rise, I want to thank the audience. Best month we've ever had, best year we've ever had. Numbers are just going through the roof. But it's not just us. It's it's you guys. It's all you guys. It's the SEC fans. And I just pulled this stat. This is something I tweeted. And I, I figured SEC fans would appreciate these numbers, but I didn't I didn't think they'd appreciate them quite as much as as they have already. But there's 10. SEC programs right now that have averaged at least 96% capacity after the first month of the season. There's only four, obviously, that have not. Ole Miss, which is at 93, you're right there at that threshold. Mississippi State, 85% capacity. Missouri, 81, and Vanderbilt, 55. Those are the only four. So if I didn't mention you there, you've got at least 96% capacity after the first month. And shout out to Florida fans, Georgia fans, South Carolina fans. Those three, 100% attendance. And, and a couple of these, I think Florida's at like 101. I don't even know how that's possible. But these numbers are sent to me from the SEC. So these are verified numbers. Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, the only three, again, with 100% capacity. Just shout out to those amazing fans here in the SEC and particularly at Florida Georgia and South Carolina, and, and hell, the rest of the SEC, you're right there. 90, there's nothing wrong with 97, 98% capacity, which is where the majority of the league is. That is just outstanding. Now, speaking of South Carolina, if you missed the news, I'm sure if you're a Gamecock fan, you didn't, but the rest of the SEC, hey, we're going to have extra football Thursday night. Ooh, Thursday night football in the SEC, love it. South Carolina hosting South Carolina State. That was moved up due to uh, the hurricane. So concerns there that it uh, may hit in South Carolina, I guess around Saturday, Sunday. So Thursday night, 7 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Central on SEC Network. We're going to have some football, ladies and gentlemen. And, you know, a little aside, I think South Carolina fans fired up to go to the game on Saturday. I realize this is going to mess with a lot of people's plans, but, uh, you know, it is what it is, Mother Nature and all, but... Could be a competitive advantage. Extra week of prep and a couple days extra recovery to prepare for the upcoming trip to Kentucky. Something to think about. It's going to be a night game. It's going to be a rowdy environment in Kentucky. Playing Ole Miss. We'll get to that game in just a minute. But who knows? If Kentucky loses, big if. But if they lose, maybe they're 
limping into this game. Maybe some flaws get exposed by Ole Miss. I don't know. I'm just saying South Carolina, you know, if you're looking for silver linings here, I think that's a good one. I think you're getting a little bit of an advantage having moving this South Carolina. You got to take care of business, obviously, in Williams-Brice Thursday night against South Carolina State. But plenty of the starters should be getting rested in the second half. And that's not the only one. Florida versus Eastern Washington was moved also because of the hurricane concerns to Sunday, October 2nd, still at noon Eastern, 11 o'clock Central, and the game's on ESPN and SEC Network Plus, which means you know kind of the opposite for the Gators. Shorter week next week for Missouri. Now, that's a home game in Gainesville, though. So you are messing with next week's schedule. That's something to consider. But again, Starters should be resting for the majority of the second half against Eastern Washington. But, man, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, SEC football. Couldn't be happier over here. (laughs) But, all right, hey, before we get to uh, these previews, we're not going to preview every game, but we're going to preview the big games on this episode, save some of the others for the next one. But we have got just a really outstanding interview. Chris Marler, this is the best. I'm I'm not overselling it. I mean, he was on a heater. He hit me up after we even recorded this, and even he acknowledged. I mean, this was a terrific interview, and I'll just say this. I mean, we we use profanities on this show when it's warranted, but uh, Chris was was letting them fly as <laughs> like a sailor here. As Cosmo Kramer would say, he let the expletives fly. So just a little note, we're playing this uncensored, college football uncensored, his show, and clearly – Old Uncle Chris, he was uncensored for this one. You better not be fucking recording this, dude. <laughs> I am. Why can I hear you? Can you hear me now? Hold on. Let's see. I look good today. This is nice. Yeah. yeah. Can I you hear me you. now? I can hear you. you can hear me? I can. What's up, you creep? Uh-huh. Can you hear me? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Yeah, I can hear you. Are you eating on the show? Well, not anymore. It was just all out of popcorn. From what I've been hearing, these Georgia fans are pretty obnoxious, so I wouldn't but mind you... them. <laughs> <laughs> they are the fucking worst. It is crazy how bad they are. Yeah. Anyway, let's yeah. get to it. I got to get some lunch, man. I'm starving. Okay. Well, let me give you a little intro here. Yeah, yeah. All right, we're pleased to be joined once again by friend of the show, Chris Marler. You know him, Saturday Down South, college football uncensored, one of the best, not only on the Twitter space, but in the podcast space. How you doing, brother? I'm good, man. I say this every time when I come on here. I'm just so happy for you and all, all the success you guys are having. I mean, you personally, not Tennessee. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, you and Cousin Shane, you're just killing it. It's, it's so good to see you. I love that Friday Friday Night Lights thing you guys got going on. It's it's everything's been great, man. So it's it's good to be back. Yeah, well, I really appreciate you coming in here and spending some time with us. And you know, right off the bat, I want to ask you, how worried are you that uh, you know you're going to be able to live with yourself after Alabama loses a game before Tennessee because uh, the Razorbacks are <laughs> are going to get a win this weekend? I mean, here's here's the thing though. You don't want that. You like you don't want you don't want that if you're a Tennessee fan. And, and, and hear me out here. Like, like I said this last week, I was like talking about on the podcast, um, not SDS. I was talking about on the college football uncensored podcast. I'm going to be very clear about that. Um, but no, I, I, like we were talking about this and I was like, man, if you're a Bama fan, you're watching this Arkansas A&M game. 
what you really want is like you want this to be just like a hard fought physical game that goes down to the wire and hopefully they lose in dramatic fashion and i mean check off the fucking boxes because every single one of those things happen excuse my language um but like you know all those things happen and you look at it now it's like so now arkansas has got to get back up emotionally which their fans do an incredible job of arkansas fans are the best in the country in my opinion like getting back up I've never had any issues with them really online, except for the one time I made a Traylon Burks comment um, about the game last year, which you saw firsthand. I, like they, they're so used to this at this point that it's like it's like this is gonna sound fucked up, but like it's like a kid from a broken home. It's like you, you can the get back that Arkansas fans have is really good because it's like they've been disappointed so much before. All of this is not sounding like a compliment, and I hate myself for saying it, especially the broken home reference. But um, no, I, I think that they are not going to win this weekend. But if, you, if you're a Bama fan flipping the script here, you definitely, like, if, I don't think you win all three of these next three games. I don't. I think you could lose all three. I, I don't think they will lose all three, but I think two and one is good. And this is the one you want to lose. Like, if you're a Tennessee fan, you better hope they that they don't lose this weekend. Because if they, if they do what they do when they always lose, which is go on the, you know, revenge tour after that, then like that's that's you want to get them where they're 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 coming in high off that Arkansas name in with. Are you buying, you know, the narrative all week? Alabama struggles on the road. I mean, it it seems like whenever we have a narrative about Alabama, then they come out and they say, "Well, help, let's go win by fifty on the road to, to right. just shut that down real quick." Or are you concerned because it's going to be a madhouse there in Razorback yeah. Stadium night game? Uh, which way are you leaning on that? So no, I, I do think it's a very real thing that that Bama has struggled on the road. You look at, I mean, you look at even the Cincinnati game last year, which is a, a neutral site game. They obviously didn't struggle in Atlanta before that, but Bryce has his fewest passing yards as he's had in like all season. I think he had like 181 passing yards in that game. Um, you struggle at Auburn. Uh, they did not struggle at Mississippi state, which was it's something I think with that defense that, that, that uh, Pete Golding has done really well against an air raid. I don't know if it's just like, that's where his niche is. Um, but you struggle at Florida badly. Um, where were the other road games, Mike? I'm, I'm trying to think because it seemed like they struggled every single game. Like LSU was a home game, Arkansas was a home game. They Auburn struggled those a little one bit. One comes to mind. Auburn was tough, which I mentioned that one. But like, I do think it's a very real thing that that Bama does struggle on the road. You saw it against Texas. Now, and let's like, let's also say this: I, I'm still on the, of the of the belief that Texas is a good football team. I don't I don't give a shit that they lost by three points. They lost by four points in two games without their starting quarterback. Okay, so. I, I, I think that going on the road to Texas and getting a one-point win is still a good win. But if you're going and talking about a year ago when you when you barely beat a Florida team that, that barely, you know, they won like six games and you beat them by two points and probably should have lost there. You beat an Auburn team that won six games, probably should have lost there. I think being on the road is a very, very real um, detriment to this team. And it's something we haven't seen under Saban in a long time, but it's, it's a real thing now. Now – Obviously, the Arkansas secondary down some guys. They've been playing horribly. Mm -hmm. It's a nightmare matchup going against Bryce Young. But uh, Arkansas can get after you. I mean, I, I believe they still lead the SEC in sacks. Is that a concern for you with this Alabama offensive line, uh, you know, giving up pressures? Uh, even no. in that Texas game, he's getting harassed. Yeah, he did all, he did all game. He, I mean, he, go, he had like 60 yards, I think, uh, in the first half. I think they only had 70 yards total or something weird like that in the first half. Um yeah, I'm worried about it because I think if you look at like even a year ago where it's like you look at that LSU game and then you and they go zero like cover zero and just blitz nonstop and you're like, oh, man, well, you know, like I'm, I'm sure that that's just an anomaly, right? Like surely Bama's not going to be held to six yards rushing or anything like that. And like and they haven't, thank God, since then. But I mean, 
we've seen this before where it's like, you just bring the house. Auburn has seven sacks against you. Um, I, Georgia had like five or six, I want to say in the national championship game. Uh, I think it's, I think it's an issue. I also think that last week is the first week we finally saw that, that receiving core kind of gain some confidence. And, and it, it you know, it kind of takes a while to gel sometimes. It takes a while, not just in practice, but like in a game situation, like I, listen, I played D2 baseball, as I've told you before, and I, and we could talk about it all day long because of how just incredible accomplishing a baseball player I was. Um, I'm saying that all in jest, but I'm saying like there's a difference in practice and then going out under the lights. There's a big difference in practice and going out in front of 100,000 people and making sure you're reeling in some of these catches that you made on the sidelines or, or you know, in the end zone of, of the practice field. Um, I I think that that Bama will be better but I do think that all I, I do think sorry not all right I do think that Arkansas has a lot of things that they could they could throw at Bama that that is going to give them some issues. I, but and because here's the thing: last year they won by seven points. I I still believe that game wasn't as close as people think because you had the fake field goal, onside kick, all that kind of stuff. I, I think that this year Arkansas is built to stay in this game with Bama more so than they were last year. Um, I don't know if they will or not, but that's 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 what I think they are built like. Yeah, and their backs are now against the wall. They they really, you know, you may think it, it's a pipe dream that they think they can win the West, but hell, they knock off Alabama. They're right there because A yeah. and M may drop another game. But but how surprised were you at the spread? I don't know if it's still seventeen. It opened at, at seventeen. Uh, mm. Does that make you nervous at all? No, I think Baylor wins by fourteen plus points. To be honest, I really do. I think I think this team is you like. We look at the, what we tend to do with Alabama is judge them by against themselves, and we judge them at their worst. And and what I mean by that is, like last year, or or we do the opposite, which is we judge them at their best, right? But we don't have that the situation this year because they've only played Louisiana Monroe, which is a huge game, huge win, as you know. Bama's five hundred in that series in the past fifteen years. Um, Utah State, who's garbage, uh, and then and then Bandy last week, who I think is better than people. I think Bandy's the fifth best team in the, in the East. I, I that might sound crazy, but I think they're better in South Carolina and and uh, Mizzou. But um, anyway, so I think that winning by forty. Why are you laughing? <laughs> I'm just thinking of all the people just unsubscribed right now. But thank you. Thank no, you. unsubscribe to me. Don't unsubscribe to Mike. Don't, don't punish him for my for me being right. I've been right all year. Um, but like no, and you look at you look at like this team going up against like what Arkansas does well, which is running the football. Have at it, Hoss. I mean, like, like enjoy, enjoy trying to do that against that front seven. Um, I, I think that there's, there's ways that they can win, but I think the only way they win is if KJ Jefferson has something which he's done a lot, which is a three plus touchdown, zero turnover game, and you got to force a couple turnovers if you're if you're Arkansas, which I don't think they're going to do in that secondary. I, I will. I'm interested to see if if Bama gets on the road in this environment against a, an offense that probably does i know this sounds weird because of what happened a week ago but kind of knows how to finish better than texas does i think arkansas would be able to put them away i just don't think it gets to that point i i just think that this defense this defense has given has shut out opponents in 10 of 16 quarters this year they're top 10 in the country in, in yards per attempt uh or i'm sorry yards per play in, in offense and defense it's the only school in the in the fucking country where they could be top 10 in both those categories and the fans want both the coordinators fired. It makes no sense at all. It is. It's so stupid. And I tell you, the other thing too is Jace McClellan is, is a, is a pretty damn good running back. I think he might be better than Jameer Gibbs. Hmm. That's bold. Yeah. But we got a, a, you know, the only undefeated showdown we got here, Kentucky at Ole Miss. You got mm -hmm. a, any way you're leaning going into that big matchup? Ole Miss, man. Kentucky's got, 
I'm going to say it. Kentucky kind of sucks. I know that they're ranked seventh in the country, but yeah, I don't give a shit. Like if you're all these fans want to get upset about it. Kentucky kind of sucks. Like you guys look like shit in the first half of the games and, and, and congrats on being able to close against Miami of Ohio because Vanderbilt did the same thing a week ago and they did it more impressively because they were down by 14 points and that Miami of Ohio. I'm sorry. This was, didn't they play Northern Illinois this weekend? Yeah. And it was yeah, a Northern seven Illinois. point game and they didn't have their quarterback either. Right. So Van- and Vandy was down by them, down 10 to them a week before, and they came back and won by 14. Vandy had a more impressive game against that same team than y'all did a week ago. Kentucky is going to be good, but this is what I said all offseason. It was like, I don't, I don't see how you replace three generational type players with like the, the two offensive linemen that got drafted. And you talk about like, you know, with uh, the receiver who I'm, I'm drawing a blank on now. Um, help me out here. There's a fantastic name. Why can't I think of the name? The receiver that, that went to the NFL last year, like he was, he's the best receiver they've oh, had since um, Wandale Robinson. Wandale Robinson, he was fantastic, and and I think that you got the kid from Virginia Tech. You know, Tavion Robinson's had a, a pretty good start to the, to, or he had a pretty good game last week. Not a great start to the year. Glossier Smoke. I know you get Chris Rodriguez back, but you've been outrushed in three of your four games. Like that's that is the offense, right? It's like if Will Levis can only do so much before Will Levis is gonna Will Levis, like. He is going to turn the ball over. He is going to shut down in big moments, in my opinion. And I understand, like you could, you could sit here and, and go, go fucking yell at the wall if you're if you're a Kentucky fan upset about this because Will Levis is like, he's he led the SEC in interceptions a year ago. He had four in his first three games this year. You haven't played anybody, and and besides Florida, and that game was handed to you on a silver platter. So I, why do you think you're the seventh best team in the country? Because you're not. How about AM Mississippi State? This is a tough game to read in Starkville. Yeah. Vegas knows something, right? I hated it. I hate this line. It like it opened up at it, it, it one and a half Mississippi State. I apologize to Kentucky fans for all the vitriol. That was tough. <laughs> um, but I still mean what I said. So um no, Mississippi State and in AM. This was I remember I was drunk as shit last year at the LSU Auburn game. Um, just having a blast. And it was uh just celebrating a divorce. And and I remember getting there and I'm just like <laughs> I'm just like, I remember looking at the screen. I was like, why is AM losing to Mississippi State? I must be reading. I must be drunk as shit. I can't read these. I'm reading the damn things wrong. And it was right. Mississippi State beat them in College Station, which is a tough thing to do for some teams. Um, looking at you, Bama. But no, I, I think that I think that going to Starkville, you, you like AM obviously has like the better talent, right? The better roster. I do think Mississippi State is a better team than we give him credit for. Cause it's not just Will Rogers. Like he doesn't get enough credit in general as a quarterback, but that defense is that Garnett's defense does a really good job. Um, they, they have scored, I think in 15 of 16 quarters this season. The only one they didn't was the fourth quarter against LSU. Uh, I, you know, I, I think that they're going, that's, that's why that's scary. If you're A&M is because that's not what A&M's offense does. Like we saw him come from behind a week ago, but if you, if you're talking about an offense, that just keeps putting it on you. keeps putting it on you. Like Mississippi state should be able to do. I don't know if A&M is going to be able to hang with them, but you know, three and a half points, that hook. I mean, it's, it's gone up. People have bought up the line, which is kind of crazy. So mm. does, does Auburn have any hope at all? I guess LSU this weekend. It was a crazy series. It's the worst movie you ever seen in your life last week. It's like, you know, what reminded me of was like, you ever, you ever watch Mighty Ducks two as an adult? It, like, it, like probably not because you're a better adult than me. But if you watch Mighty Ducks two as an adult, if you like really think about that movie, okay, was that the one that where movie, they they were like Olympians? They just sprinkled in like affirmative action into the movie, and that's what <laughs> that's what became. It was like, okay, hold on, you, this is the worst 
This is the worst rec league hockey team in in Minnesota, <laughs> in their county or what the fuck ever. And then they were like, but this is an incredible story. And we found this Hispanic kid who's super fast, which is messed up. And then you had this Asian figure skater and a female goalie. And then a black kid you found in Compton. You found the black kid in Compton. And, and that's not even the most unbelievable part. The most unbelievable part was when they were in Compton and they hit that knuckle puck over the fence and it broke that guy's windshield that guy was like hey it's all good bro i'm going to the gym don't worry about it if you haven't seen the movie go watch the movie it's fantastic you know what i'm talking about um but anyway i say all that because the ending of that movie was so stupid and if you think about it because like they like in hockey you know when the puck goes into the net and at the end of that movie they're holding the glove and he flips up the the, the puck in his in his glove and it's like oh and everyone's on the edge of their seat that's how dumb <laughs> That ending was a week ago at Auburn. I mean, my God, the theater was incredible. I don't even know what I'm talking about at this point. Um, but, but it was, it was, it was, I I don't, LSU, I think, is a much better football team than people think. I saw a stat there on Twitter, so you know it's real. And it said that that Miss, or LSU's defense ranks 12th in the country, right behind Georgia's, who's 11th. It also ranks like 20th or something like that in offense, which is right behind Ole Miss or something like that. This is a pretty good football team. I mean, Jaden Daniels has three games this year of 300 plus total yards and zero interceptions. And, 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 and they have done a good job. It like all the stuff we thought we were going to see with LSU with, with Brian Kelly and a more structured and organized professional approach, like to, to coaching has all happened. And I think the biggest thing is that this team now, when you look at it like three weeks ago, fucking sky is falling. They lost to Florida, Florida state and Florida state sucks. And now you look at Florida state and they're four and oh, and you lost to them by one point on a neutral site, even though it's in, in new Orleans. I think LSU is a lot better than people think. So no, I don't have, I don't give Auburn a chance unless Jesus shows up again, which <laughs> for my mom, who's pastor Patty Sue has always told me he only shows up like once every 2000 years. So, so how soon after this game, Brian Harson fired and more importantly, because everybody's, you know, they're, they're basically know it's already over and done with who do you want hired at Auburn? And maybe not even for the, best of their football program but just for yeah. entertainment value for you and i i mean we got we got candidates like hugh freeze Deion sanders lane kiffin any of those or or maybe there's a wild I think, card i don't think kiffin leaves Ole miss to go to auburn there's so much instability at auburn and i think that and this is going to shock some people i think lane kiffin isn't toxic enough to go to auburn which <laughs> is something i never thought i would say i just i never thought i would say that but i mean but I will also say that that like the two candidates that that I I really wish that Georgia Tech would go after down the street from me here in Atlanta, and that's that's Deion Sanders and that's that's um that's Hugh Freeze. I, I was talking to Terrence Mathis about this. We have a, we have a TV show we do together here on Saturday mornings in Atlanta. And he's a former Falcon. Um, you know, just one of my favorite receivers growing up. Anyway, and we were talking about this, and he's like, you know, I think people are going to laugh at this. He told me this a year ago, right? He was like, I think Georgia Tech needs to go after Deion Sanders, and I was like, that doesn't sound crazy at all. I don't think that Georgia Tech will go after either of those. I think that Auburn, they laughed about this for so long. No, we don't need to go after Dion. We don't need to go after Hugh Freeze. If you're a Bama fan, the, the, the name that scares you is Hugh Freeze. And the other name that probably should scare you is Deion Sanders. Because I understand he's been at Jackson State, but he's done a really good job of coaching. Like, he, like the way I, I think that he has taken this a lot more serious than we have taken him, if, if that makes sense. And, and I think he's a really, really good potential candidate because especially from what you've lacked in Brian Harson, from like recruiting standpoint and from what you're looking at in terms of like, hey, man, understands the culture of this, this region in the country. Go get him. 
Like, and now Hugh Freeze also fits it well because he has that fake Christian bullshit and excuse my language, but like he does, he does all that kind of shit. And then also is talking about how he wants to, you know, he's like in people's DMs and shit. I, that might be what keeps him from the job, but I, I don't know. All right, final thing for you, Chris, really appreciate the time. How yeah, bad man. are you going to cry when Tennessee beats Alabama this year? It's going to be the worst, Mike. I've known you for five years, and I've hated most of our interactions on that game day. Because it's like, you're, you're one of my good friends, and I love you to death, man. And I, I, I really do. I think the world of everything you've been able to accomplish, and I'm, and I'm happy for it. But that's not what I want you to accomplish. I don't want to see you smiling like you're smiling right now on that Saturday. And I have a bad feeling you might be. I really do. Because I think this team is like, listen, I, I, I – Put this out there on Sunday. I, I did my top 10, and, and it's the one that people need to pay attention to because it's most important, um, like Danny Cannell said. Um, no, but I had Tennessee fourth in the country. And I think if you look at what they're what they've done so far, that I don't know how you I you can't talk me out of it, right? Like, I mean, you just you can't. I think I think they're the fourth best team in the country right now. At home, that like rocks of a crowd. And I'll tell you what, if you guys go to LSU and lose, it's a little bit different. So we'll yeah. see. Well, my look God. White, look at you all white Mike like that. Look at this. Tennessee, number four. Kentucky sucks. You just gained yourself <laughs> 10,000 volunteer followers. T tell them where to find you, Chris, and all the outstanding work you're doing. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. It's always good to come back on here. Um, we'll get you back on our podcast, too, which is, again, the College Football Uncensored podcast. If you love college football and you hate the bleep button, uh, you will love the podcast. It's a lot of fun. We have a great time on there. Me and my co-host, Tyler Huck. On social media, uh, at Vern Funquist. I know. I'll give you a second to take that in. It's the best name you're going to hear on Twitter, besides that one girl who has curvy smart. That's really good. Um, but yeah, Vern Funquist on Twitter and Instagram, and we'll see you then. <laughs>
Number three in scoring. Number four, pass efficiency. Number three in touchdowns allowed. Number two in turnovers forced. And number two in sacks. All those heavily favor Ole Miss. Not by a small margin or any by any means. But, of course, Ole Miss is, uh, you know, Shane asked the question, and it's it's valid at this point in time, is Kentucky, are the Rebels fool's gold? We'll find out certainly on Saturday. But let's focus on Kentucky first of all. J.J. Weaver doesn't sound like he's going to play according to Mark Stoops. That's a blow to this Kentucky defense. Of course, the good news, Chris Rodriguez back in the action, arguably the best SEC in the conference. He should help these numbers immediately. He should help the Kentucky play action game. I mean, he's going to help in a number of ways. So that's big news. That's something Mark Stoops going to talk about here in just a second. But I hate to sound like a broken record, but we got to get this offensive line figured out. And it's not just running the ball, it's protection. Ole Miss is going to come after you. They're not going to let Will Levis sit back and pick you apart because, hell, even Tulsa, again, they had a, over 100 yards passing in the first quarter last weekend. Their quarterback went down. Otherwise, maybe they win that ball game. So this could be a back-and-forth showdown. Very interesting to see how it plays out. But let's kick it over to uh, Mark Stoops real quick on Chris Rodriguez back in the lineup and on his team really failing to play complimentary football so far this season. Back next this week, uh, what has been your teaching point with, with him and, and how has he responded? Well, for Chris, it was just a matter of manage, managing him you know, while he was out, just getting him the reps that we needed to the last week or two. We've, As I mentioned last week, he was getting reps with the first and second team, mainly the second team, or just different quarterbacks, just to make sure he wasn't totally removed from, from practicing our plays, along with staying in shape, being on the scout team, doing whatever was necessary, staying in good shape. And for Chris, he just needs to, to, to be himself. He doesn't uh, need to come in and be, be our savior or anything like that or, um, you know, save our run game, as, you know, any of that. We don't need to, him to worry about that. We just need him to be him. And we need the people around him, the other guys that are playing, uh, to do their job and the strain and to do things uh, better uh, in, in certain moments. Marcus, you spoke of playing complimentary football. How frustrating is it that that's not happening right now? Well, I mean, uh, uh, it's, you know, why we work, you know, it's why we do things. Uh, there, there's very few teams out there. You could ask, uh, you know, whoever's one, two, three, you know, anybody, you're going to you're gonna ask any coach right now, and there's going to be parts of their team that they want to work on. Yeah. We're not, we're not in any different. You know, we want to continue to work and grind and, and get better. Now, one other thing I really wanted to note here, we'll get to this. He's got more comments here, but, you know, Kentucky is obviously in the top ten. Fans are thrilled. But it's wild to sit here and think. You know, you go back to that stat, 18-3 since 21, third best record in the SEC. There's no parades being thrown in Lexington. They're not puffing their chest. They don't really care. We're in the top ten. That's great. They don't even – you know, it's just normal to them. And I know it's only been a month into the season. Let's not crown them yet or anything. They they only played one conference game or anything. But I think you need to take a moment and recognize just the turnaround that's been done by Mark Stoops and company. And I know it's been said time and time again, but here we are sitting in the top 10 and they cannot give a damn. They expect to be up there 
which is just wild to say. And hell, they are there. They keep winning. They're going to remain there. And they're, you know, the only, if they win this ball game, I mean, I think the old, not that they'll run the table, but Georgia, Tennessee, those may be the only two teams that'll test them if Ole Miss doesn't here on Saturday. So that's something to keep in the back of your mind. Kentucky could be living in the top 10 all season long. Let's kick it over to Mark Stoops one more time. Asked about, uh, you know, getting the recognition and all that for his program. And he really, I thought, had something interesting to say with Jackson Dart. Ole Miss, not truly efficient in the passing game at this point in time because they've been so great running the ball. But even Mark Stoops is well aware. Lane Kiffin's got some stuff in his back pocket. He says they're sitting on explosive things that they've been setting up all season. So it's interesting that he's putting that out there. He's well aware. But what those are, we're going to find out here on Saturday. Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, Clemson, USC, Kentucky. How does that hit you? And more importantly, how do you think your team will respond to something like that? Well, I mean, I like it there. I'd like it to stay there. You know, that that's really what's most important. Sure. I mean, uh, you know, it, it helps with, uh, I think, as I mentioned, the fan base and showing up and having the, the, the people there. It helps in recruiting. It helps, you know, with your team. Um, and hopefully it motivates them to practice hard to stay that way because we know we have a very tough stretch coming up starting here this week. So, you know, I, our team is mature enough. Um, you know, certainly there's some young guys that need to still be taught quite a bit. Um, but the, the leadership of this team knows that uh, that's fine. But it's really about how we, we practice and how we prepare and getting ready for a really good team and another tough challenge. Yeah, I think he's a really good player. He's getting better with every rep. He's explosive. He's making good decisions. Um, you know, there's been games this year where, much like our offense, they've they've just they've stopped themselves. And I'm sure they're sitting there saying, "Who you know, who stopped us? We we stopped ourselves. Bad snap. Bad." You know, communication, just certain things. But you can see when they're clicking and in a rhythm. rhythm. Uh, he's he's very talented. He can run, makes good decisions, can throw it. And like I said, they're sitting on a lot of explosives that they're they're setting up, and, and you know, they can do a lot of different things. All right, so flipping over to the other side, Ole Miss. It's interesting. Kiffin, not necessarily taking shots, but uh, you know, he seems a little disturbed. By the lack of attendance down there in Oxford, I, I know Tulsa's not a great game. It was hot is what I heard. I mean, it's hot across the SEC, and we just went through the stats. I mean, it, of all the teams that are showing up, of all the fan bases that are showing out in incredible numbers, you think Ole Miss would be there. Longest active home streak since uh, the 40s, he said on Saturday. They're striping out. Vod Hemingway for this game. I mean, this should be some great atmosphere, but some interesting comments here. Kiffin, you know, he he called in a roundabout way. He called the fan base out. This is a, looked like a damn high school game in the second half. Everybody left, and how he's really having to coach up the players on on being locked in, despite the fact that uh, you know the the attendance isn't what it should be. It shouldn't be an issue for this game, but it's just very fascinating that uh, Kiffin would throw this out there. 
you talked about it all last week and even after the game, and it's kind of become a topic of discussion heading into the SEC opener and all these SEC games coming up. Just how important is fan support for games like this coming up with, with a top 10 team? Yeah, you know, again, we utilize any situation to teach our players. And, you know, so talk to them again, which we have before, about, hey, you know, regardless of what you come out to before the game or, or halftime, you know, when you come back out, and you run out the tunnel and it looks like, you know, a high school game um, playing in a college stadium, you can't let that affect you. I mean, you know, there's psychology to that, obviously. There's a home field advantage for a reason. And, you know, when it goes the other way and you kind of have that feeling, you know, that, man, are we still really playing in a game here? You know, the players have to fight that. So, again, we use that as a learning lesson for our guys. So, if that's the case, that's the case. But, <clears throat> I mean, I, I'm, I'm worried about what I can control. I've tried social media in here for two years. So, you know, we'll worry about what we can control, and that's getting our players ready to play. Cue the rest of the uh, SEC social media accounts. I mean, you got to imagine they're, they're cutting that up and sending it out to recruits. Very, very interesting. But more importantly for this game, you know, give the fans something to be excited about. Can have – much like Kentucky, inconsistent performances. One half, you look great. The second half, you don't. And this has happened multiple times. Now, maybe it's just because you're beating the hell out of people. Maybe it's because you got the game well in hand. But go back and watch that Tulsa game. It was, that was not a totally in-hand game. You know, I never truly felt like Tulsa was going to win that ball game. But it was a, a seven-point game in the fourth quarter. Ole Miss closed the thing out. But Tulsa had their opportunity. So, this is... Far from a flawless team. I'm not going down the road of saying fool's gold. Again, we'll find out on Saturday. It certainly seems like we've all, there's obviously been some big upsets this season. And there's been, you know, one week your team looks terrible, and then the next they look incredible. Look at Florida last week. I mean, South Florida maybe should have lost that ball game. Tennessee maybe should have won it. I mean, that this is, I think, going to be a season-long thing all across football I mean look at LSU how they started out now they look like maybe the most improved team from week one to week four in the SEC Georgia beats the hell out of South Carolina Kent State kind of plays with you I mean this is across the board Alabama struggling against Texas just blew the doors off Vanderbilt I mean week in and week out you just don't know what you're going to get but and in part for the Ole Miss Rebels, maybe that's because Jackson Dart, they don't know what they're getting from him. Still a very young, very inexperienced quarterback. Lane Kiffin talks about Dart's growth and uh, provides an update here on Zach Evans and Ulysses Bentley. They're going to need those guys against Kentucky because uh, Ole Miss, part of the reason they've been so effective on the ground, they they can rotate guys in and out and there's no drop-off. And there's very few programs in the SEC that can say that particularly as well as uh, Ole Miss this season. You've been pretty complimentary of Jackson this fall, except for a couple of decision-making. Just where is he right now compared to where you wanted him to be, and what are the things that you kind of need to see more from him in SEC play? Well, I, I really like that we didn't have the one disaster play, you know, and so that's growth, um, you know, because he's, he had had that in the previous games where there's one significant play you want to take back. Um, especially the two interceptions. So, 
know, that was really good to see. Managed the game well at the end. You know, situation of staying in balance in the game. And, um, you know, like I kind of said before, we have such high standards and myself kind of with that position that sometimes forget how young they are and inexperienced. And, you know, even this morning watching this Kentucky game from two years ago, that would be Matt's second game with us, you know, and even though he's he's played for a while, but with us it's his second game and you see him make really good plays, but you see him miss some throws, um, miss some reads in the game, uh, which didn't happen as much last year. So, you know, it's a reminder that you know, there's a re reason experience is important. What are your expectations this week availability-wise for Zach and Ulysses, just kind of getting them back? Yeah, I would hope they go. And um, that's when we're at our best, when all three are there. And, and, and there's some special teams roles that, you know, are involved with that position group, too, that are important. All right, another mega showdown we got here in the SEC. This time, West opponents, Alabama on the road at Arkansas. Night game, Nick Saban 15-0 against Arkansas during his time at Alabama. Of course, last season, Alabama won 42-35 in Bryant-Denny. This season, much different story when it comes to the environment that the Crimson Tide are walking into. It's going to be a buzzsaw down there in Arkansas against a Razorback team fighting for their lives, backs against the wall after a disappointing performance. Sam Pittman saying all the right things, but, you know, we don't really know how Arkansas will respond till we see him on Saturday. They face some adversity, and, and by God, they're probably going to face some adversity. The key is you don't want it to be early. You don't want – there's been many a time in this series, of course, you know, it's been lopsided for a long time until they get things going here. There's not been many of these that have been competitive, but Alabama has been able to just – kind of rip Arkansas's heart out early when I think of games in this series. Paramount that Arkansas keeps this game competitive in the second half, and it, we'll get to Sam Pittman's comments here in a moment. Carry that fight into the second half. They've had real, real issues playing in the third quarter. You could play outstanding for three quarters. You fail to show up for a single quarter, Alabama will slice and dice and kill you. Just look at these numbers. Alabama's defense, SEC rankings here. Number one scoring, number one pass efficiency, number one in rushing yards allowed. They have not allowed a passing touchdown yet and have only allowed two rushing touchdowns. Now, I know you look at their opponents, you know, Utah State, Texas, Vanderbilt, some other scrub, ULM, I think it was. So I get it. Skewed, possibly. They've not faced an offense near the caliber of Arkansas. But this is a unit that is playing the best football they've played in, in years there for Nick Saban. They're confident coming into this ball game. K.J. Jefferson has got to make plays that have not been made against this Arkansas defense. He's got the weapons to do it. Arkansas offense, number eight in the SEC in scoring. Again, I think – you could kind of flip it to what I'm saying about Alabama. I think I'm not sitting here saying Arkansas is the number eight offense in the SEC. That's just where their scoring is. But I think that's a factor of playing A&M, South Carolina, Cincinnati, and then even the Missouri State game tested you. I don't think anyone's had a tougher go of it so far 
in the SEC. But how about this? Despite having said that, Arkansas number two in pass efficiency, number two in rushing, and only five turnovers. Cannot turn the ball over. Cannot stress that enough. You you have one turnover in this ball game. You better force two. I mean that because Alabama will kill you on that. Key to the game. Arkansas's got to get after. Bryce Young, 20 sacks, number one in the SEC. Like any quarterback, you'd imagine. I'm looking here at the uh, numbers for for Bryce Young when he's under pressure. I mean, his numbers dip by about a half. So, I mean, it goes without saying, quarterbacks not as good when they're getting pressured, when they're getting rattled, when they're getting hit. That's the key to Arkansas. You cannot sit back here and let Bryce Young pick you apart because he'll do it all day long. But I thought this was an interesting question Sam Pittman had in his presser here. KJ Jefferson, is he trying to do too much? Because that's a little bit of a worry too. But you kind of, you don't want him jumping in from the five, of course, but you need him to be kind of Superman because he's going up against Bryce Young, one of the best players, if not the best player in the country. He's going to have to match him score for score to keep Arkansas in this ball game. Let's kick it over to Sam Pittman on KJ Jefferson. Maybe pushing things a little, maybe trying to do a little too much maybe. Thoughts on Bryce Young and Arkansas struggles coming out of halftime. I thought this was pretty interesting. They're, they're at least addressing it. We'll see if it works on Saturday. Oh, yeah. with that, uh, KJ is carried – I mean, he's been great quarterback for you for two years. Yeah. Is he at times, though, trying to maybe do too much this year? I don't th- – I, I, I mean, I don't think so. I think I think his ball security hasn't been as good as what it was, you know, we, we're uh, a year ago uh, carrying it. And uh, uh, I think he just gets caught up in the moment. If you look back at Ole Miss last year, he dove over those three guys and extended the ball and all that kind of stuff. And it was, you know – I think he, I think he, uh, is trying to win the game, and probably that's about, that's about it. To be honest with you, yeah. Sam, it looks like like Bryce Young's maybe running the ball a little yeah. bit more, and um, you mentioned he might be even better than last year. What what are you seeing from him? What really impresses you about him? A lot of confidence in everything he does. Whether he's throwing, whether he's scrambling, he'll stay in the pocket till the last second. Um, when he gets outside the pocket, uh, he looks, just looks comfortable. Like, you know, I'm, I could run it for a touchdown. I can throw it for a touchdown. I'm just going to do kind of whichever one I decide to do. And he's been so hard to tackle uh, for the teams that he's been playing. Uh, Texas is the only team really that put much pressure on them at all. And they, they did pressure them well. Uh, but I just think he's playing with the – extreme amount of confidence and and he's obviously been a good player for probably since he was in sixth grade or whatever you know but very 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 confident got a lot of players around him got some really good backs and also i was looking at your some stats here you've outscored opponents in every quarter except for the third you've yeah. been outscored 41 13 you have any idea what's going on there can you put your finger well, on anything no i mean i wish i did uh we're going to change up I mean, we're going to have halftime at practice this week. We're just going to stop, and then we're going to come back and go good on good right when we come off of halftime. And we're going to, we're going to change the way we stretch uh, coming out of the half, and uh, we got to change something. And you know what we're trying to do? We're trying to put it in our mind that we got to get going. Um, 
we couldn't get out of our funk uh, Saturday. I mean, we're still up. Uh, while the offense, I met with the with the with the staff, and then while they were meeting, trying to adjust, I was in the locker room talking to our kids because you could feel that we we were behind by thirty, and we were up, and you could feel it. And so I went in and started talking to them about, you know, what we have to do and made them aware that, you know, we haven't been, a, haven't started fast in the third quarter and things of that nature. And it was just blah, you know, for, for a few minutes on the clock, maybe the entire third quarter. And uh, it's been that way the entire year. You always worry about starting fast in the game. And we've been okay with that. It's, it's the second half where we've, I think every game this year we've we've been ahead or you know we were behind it at at uh, Missouri State, but we've been worse. We've they've either been closer to us or we've been worse behind in the third quarter of every game, and uh, we have opportunities to put people away, and uh, just haven't been able to do it. So it's on our mind. Uh, we're going to change a few things up at pr- the at practice to see if we can emphasize a little bit better. Now on the flip side, hey, you know, we we I talked a lot about Alabama's defense there. And I don't want to say they're lacking by any means, but we're a month into the season and Saban says we're still trying to find our identity on offense. And that's not exactly what you want to hear, especially when you're returning the Heisman winning quarterback. But with the new running backs, new receivers, reshuffled offensive line, maybe that's just what you're gonna get. They struggled mightily against Texas. Will that continue? And like I said in the interview there with Marler, I'm a little concerned that, you know, the narrative all week is Alabama struggles on the road. Alabama struggles on the road. And that's the emphasis, and they get that cleaned up, and they take care of business on the road. If I'm an Arkansas fan, that's what I worry about. But, hell, I show up rowdy and get as loud as I can for this ball game because this is going on two years now where Alabama's struggling on the road in conference play, and hell, against Texas, again, out of conference. So you can be a real, real factor in this game. I don't care how good Bryce Young is. He has turned the ball over. He had multiple interceptions in the, what was it, the ULM game in in the first half and everything. So he's not flawless by any means. It's still a work in progress on offense. And again, that's, you know, if, if K.J. Jefferson's scoring in bunches, Maybe Alabama starts pressing a little bit. The play's right into your hands, getting pressured. You force the issue. That's going to lead to turnovers. That's how they were defeated in College Station last year. I remember a key turnover Bryce Young had. in the. It was either on the in the end zone or on the goal line. And it, I remember A&M brought it out. I mean, that's what it takes to beat Alabama. Eliminate their scoring opportunities. Turn the ball over. Let's kick it over to Saban on lack of uh, – Offensive identity, a couple games into the season, and Bryce Young's continued growth in the offense. How would you characterize the team's offensive identity after four games? You know, I think you build an identity over a season, uh, and we're going to continue to try to do that so that we have balance and we feature the players that we have on our team um, so that they have the best opportunities to be successful. I think there's been times when we've done that extremely well, and there's times that uh, we haven't. But I, I really can't 
You know, we made a lot of explosive plays in the last game, which we want to continue to be able to do, to utilize the skill players that we have and run the ball effectively when we need to. So we're still, you know, building on that identity, but I think the players are making really good progress. And I just wanted to ask you about KJ Jefferson, uh, just his size and how tough he is if in coaching or in practice this week, are you really focusing on wrapping up and tackling and just how dynamic of a threat is he both as a passer and a runner? Well, I mentioned before what a dynamic player that he is. Um, big, strong guy, hard to tackle, hard to sack, hard to get on the ground, uh, can push the pile and run over people when he runs quarterback runs. Very physical, you know, player. Um, so all those things that you mentioned are certainly things that we want to emphasize this week. But you can't minimize the effectiveness of this guy as a passer. You know, he is really, really good. He's got a strong arm, uh, throws uh, the deep ball well, and, you know, they make a lot of explosive plays uh, because they run the ball extremely well. They have really good play-action passes, but he executes it both ways very, very well. Bryce obviously had a big year for you guys last year, but where have you seen him improve the most from year one as a starter to now? Well, I think the big thing is he's got a lot of new people around him, uh, and I think that it creates tremendous value for him, as he did in the last game, when he makes it work with the players that we have now. And I think each week we've done a little bit better job of that, and uh, I think to have continued growth in that area is important for him and for us. Now, final matchup I want to preview here. Texas A&M at Ole Miss. <laughs> Man, predictions all over the, the place. I've been listening to anything and everything I can get on, on this game. No idea. Kind of like last week, Arkansas A&M. Could see this game going either way. It's kind of a toss-up. Mississippi State, of course, won last year at Texas A&M. It's going to be crazy environment. A veteran team against a young team. A team with confidence against a team trying to prove itself in the SEC. I think this is a game Mike Leach has to have. I think it's bad if he loses it. And Mississippi State, not trying to overreact to one loss against old LSU, but that was your big test and you, you flunked it. This is like flushing the season down the toilet if you can't beat an A&M team that can't score. Look at these numbers for A&M. 14th in the SEC in scoring. 10th in passing efficiency. 10th in rushing. 11th in touchdowns scored, while Mississippi State, your number eight in scoring defense, number six in pass efficiency defense, number eight rush defense. This is going to have to be the Devon, Devon Achain game again. I mean, he was just heroic against Arkansas. Can he keep that up? Number two in the SEC in all-purpose yards, 156 per game. You have to limit the possessions of Mike Leach's offense. Brian Kelly calls it a triple option, just slightly different. That's basically what it is. And that's how you attack. You get you limit their possessions, time of possession. Not a key stat in football these days, but I think in, in this type of ball game it will be because A&M has just not shown the ability that they can trade scores. First one to 30 wins this ball game. And the under might be the strongest play this week in this ball game. It might be the strongest play of the week here in this ball game because both these defenses, one is veteran, one is just loaded with talent, playing out of their minds. That is probably A&M's biggest advantage in this one. Great pass defense. This is the best secondary I think Jimbo Fisher has ever had. 
there in College Station going up against a Mississippi State receiving core, which, hey, we praise to no end on this show, but they flunked big time at LSU. Is that gonna if that happens again, they're gonna get crushed in this ballgame. I really do think. AM, number four scoring defense in the SEC, number three in passing efficiency, number four in touchdowns allowed, while Mississippi State offense, sixth in scoring, sixth in passing efficiency, and dead last in rushing. So maybe Mike Leach, fourth and short, don't run it up the gut time and time. You get him once. I got LSU the first time, because I, I don't think anyone saw that coming. AM will be ready for that. But let's kick it over to Jimbo Fisher because this, this is interesting, something to think about here. You go up against Arkansas, which is – I don't want to call him ground and pound because K.J. Jefferson, I believe he's number three in the SEC in pass efficiency. They've got some receivers. You know, they've been great through the air. But the identity of Arkansas, they want to take away your soul on the ground game. They want to just pound you. It's complete opposite this week. Mike Leach wants to nickel and dime you and get you to lull to sleep, hit you over the top, obviously throw it 50, 60 times a game. How strange is it to go from one offense preparing for one to the other and how to have more success on defense against Mike Leach's offense that, that really killed you in the second half last year. And as Jimbo Fisher says, hey, we've had – Moments here where we've been able to go up and down the field on teams. They have the ability and the talent to get that done against this Mississippi State defense. But saying that and doing that, two different things. How much different uh, defensively is this going to be going from Arkansas and the run heavy and, the, and their quarterback to now the, this, you know, scheme? It's different. I mean, it's a different kind of spread. One's much more throwing. One was much more running and throwing. You know what I'm saying? And, and what they're doing. So it is different. And, and, and because, but the quarterback, Rodgers, can still run and scramble. He, he's a good athlete. And then w when you look at last year compared to this year, do you feel like with the secondary, you guys are better equipped um, at slowing down this team than, than maybe you were last year? We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, the year before we did a really good job. Last year we didn't do a good job. And we're gonna have to, I think you have to have multiple looks. After you have to do different things. And I think you'll have to make plays on the ball and be able to cover. So hopefully we will be. And hopefully we'll be able to put the pressure on at times when we need to. Guys can rush and then that first offensive drive that you guys had coming out of the half, is that what this offense can look like? When yes, we can look like we can – and it, at times look like it all the time. We can go up and down the field, just relax and execute. Plays are there, things are there, and what we're doing is exactly right. I mean, we got many plays, routes, things. There's nothing in our offense we don't have. Second row, Olin. There's enough execution right now. Got to execute better. And one more thing I wanted to say. You know, Jimbo Fisher, he's got a lot to prove in this game after losing – to Mike Leach and Mississippi State the last time out. It'll be interesting to see how motivated the Aggies are to, you know, get payback here away from home, establish the order of things in the SEC West in their mind. You know, A&M fans, clearly, you got to believe A&M fans believe that they are on another level from Mississippi State. But here you got to prove it as, as an underdog. And as apparently as a growing underdog, again, the spread favors Mississippi State. The advanced analytics, for what that's worth, favor Mississippi State. What's that mean? I don't know, but I think it means we're going to get one hell of a ball game in Starkville is what I think. Uh, <laughs> so let's kick it over next to Mississippi State's coach, Mike Leach, of course. Thoughts on A&M's defense? Very interesting matchup again with their secondary against Mississippi State's receivers. That could be the key to the game on having one of the best return games also can't be overlooked in a 
game like this that should be very, very competitive. Going to come down to explosive plays. Who makes the plays? Could come in the return game, no doubt. Facing DJ Durkin, once again, Durkin certainly got the better of it in the Egg Bowl last season. Of course, Durkin was at Ole Miss, but you could make the case. You know, as I think back, it was rainy, it was cold, obviously Thanksgiving. A lot of dropped touchdowns by Mississippi State in that ballgame could have changed things, but this is a chess match that DJ Durkin won. He knows how to have success against Mike Leach, so that's something to consider. And I love this. I mean, Mike Leach is just the best, isn't he? So that that is something to consider heading into this ballgame. Mike, uh, A&M been incredibly good defensively this year. I think they give up like 11 points per game or something. What sticks out to you the most about them uh, defensively? Uh, just they're you know big, they're big lanky guys and they run well. You know they, you know once they see the ball they do a good job chasing the ball. Really, I mean they're athletic and they they run to the ball. Going off of that, your punt and kick return game so far is one of the best in the country. What have you seen from that unit as a whole, as well as from two Xavion and those guys in particular? I think we're improving. I think we're getting better. I think we done a pretty good job blocking it. If we, you know, it's, uh, you know, for the most part, we just got to be disciplined on our blocks, things like that. I think those two guys are explosive. I also think they're kind of emerging and getting better and better. Went up against DJ Durkin last year at Ole Miss. He's at A&M this year. What's that defense look like on film for the first few games at A&M? Yeah, just pretty similar. You know, they a lot of zone. Uh, they they like a lot of zone. They'll just change the front some, and then you know, it's, it's very fundamental, which I think is a strength. You know, I think it's uh, that's a strength when they're very fundamental and they've decided what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. So, and one more thing, man, Mike Leach is just—he can deliver a gym when he wants to. He's got one for us here, Mike Leach. He's praised Kyle Field to no end. He knows that place well from his days at Texas Tech. And he's still got high ho- <laughs> high praises here for Texas A&M fans. It uh, kind of reminds me of my relationship with them Aggies sometimes. Coach, when you were at Tech, you and A&M had some legendary games there. And there's a lot of people there. I before they remember your time there. What are your thoughts maybe about that fan base and just kind of about that program historically? Oh, A&M? Well, that's a great place to play. The fans are fantastic because the fans are truly committed. I mean, as far as around the country, I mean, for the A&M fans are truly committed. So it's always great to play in front of people that, you know, where they feel like it's uh, very important. What's happening is very important to them. And, of course, Kyle Field's a great place to play and always an exciting place to play. And it's just a great challenge to go uh, play at uh, Texas A&M and uh, – of course, they hated us for years. I never felt like I really hated them. They, I'm sure they hated me, but um, which was fine because I, you know, uh, your liking me is not mutually exclusive to me liking you. You know, if anything, maybe it helps. And then, um, but uh, no, it was. Uh, they were great games, and it was fun, and it was fun to play uh, Texas A&M, and what a great setting to play. And uh, and yeah, no, it was. They were intense games, and it was always intense. All right, so how great was that? (laughs) That's a great way, I think, to end the show. Uh, We got some terrific guests lined up on the next episode, preview some more games, and we'll get to the other ones 
And before you know it, Cousin Shane will be back on the line to break down these matchups. What a weekend we got in the SEC. Cannot wait for it. But that is going to do it for this episode of the show. We'll catch you on the next one.